Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. O most righteous and perfect Father, we come before you giving thanks and praise. And we know that your words, Lord, are pure. Lord, that they are like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. We pray, Lord, that we would come to your word, that we would grasp and understand of who you are and your holiness, that we would seek to be able to live a life that is worthy of our calling, giving glory and honor to you. We pray that as we open your word together, Lord, our hearts would be changed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that we would uh, leave here a changed and different people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 95. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. And a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when the fathers put me to the test, put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, they are people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. The world has a problem. This is maybe one of the most favorite dinner conversation starters is start to around the table or around with a group of friends to be able to talk about all of the world's problems and seek to be able to solve them in a matter of minutes or a matter of words. You can point to certain events in history, issues that we face today. But tonight, I believe that I can say the biggest problem we face in this world today. Now, I don't normally like to use categories of uh, large grandeur, like the biggest, I prefer maybe to be able to say one of the biggest, therefore you're not putting it in the category of the greatest or largest. However, the more I've thought about this, the more I could not think of a larger problem that we have or the world faces today. The problem, maybe you can say the number one problem that the world faces is a worship problem. It's not that mankind does not worship. The problem is we do not worship the right things or the right 
things. We worship the wrong things. It's not that some people are trying to worship in some regards and others are not worshiping anywhere else. But the truth is, every man, every woman is worshiping something. The question that needs to be asked is, what are they worshiping? Or more importantly, who are they worshiping? We worship money. We worship possessions. We worship power. We worship fame. We worship our own comfort and convenience. And I think one of the greatest problems that we face in this generation is that people worship their body. They worship their emotions. I mean, the list could go on. And Psalm 95 is a call to worship. A call to be able to honor and glorify God. The great solution to this great problem. Paul actually points this out in Romans chapter 1. When he says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Here Paul says that they look at creation and they should be able to perceive God's greatness, His glory, and and they should go to be able to honor Him. This word here, honor, is where we get the word doxa, to worship. They did not worship God or give thanks to Him. And they exchanged the glory that the doxa of God, immortal God, for images. We prefer an idol that we can hold, one that we can carry. A.W. Tozer wrote on worship quite an extensive amount in all of his books, about 55 titles in total, but he has a book someone has compiled on worship, but he says, men who refuse to worship the true God now worship themselves with tender devotion. And man was made to be able to worship God, to glorify and enjoy Him forever. But worship, as John Stott says, is the highest and noblest activity of which man, by the grace of God, is capable. And this psalm is a lifelong call to be able to worship. We see this in the first aspect of this call to worship in the five lettuces. In verse 1, let us sing, let us make a joyful noise. Let us come, let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel. Stephen Charnock said, we may truly said to worship God. Though we lack perfection, we cannot say to worship Him if we lack sincerity. We come and we're called to be able to worship and and bow down and, and adore God as what He has done but also who he is. The psalm speaks of many things God is, but three stand out. The God is a great God. 
He is above all gods. How do we know he is great? Think about his possession. He, he owns the depths of the earth, the mountains, and the sky, the sea, and the vastness therein. We come before to worship this great and glorious God. But what we have done is we have exchanged that worship and glory of God to be able to worship something that can be held. Something that is made in the image of God. And yet we worship that instead of God himself. The second thing that we see is why we are to come and to worship, to bow down, is that God is our creator. He made it. He formed it with his hands. John Owen said, unless men see the beauty and delight in worship of God, they will not do it willingly. And here Paul says, it is clear everyone is without excuse of what we are to be able to do to be able to worship God. We are called then to kneel before God, our Maker. Third category in which this, the author describes why we are to worship God is that He is our Savior and Redeemer. The joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. He is our God. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. All of these reasons are great examples why we are to come and worship God in all adoration and glory given to Him. And yet, what do we do? We exchange it. Instead of worshiping Him, we exchange that for something small. Now, how can we consider this call or invitation to worship? The one which is to worship is directed. We worship Him, not these things that He has done or the things that He has given or made. We worship Him because He made us. We worship Him because He takes care of us. We worship Him because He saves us. Now when we consider this, how can we not then fall down and bow before the Lord our Maker? The great and glorious thing is that we are made to be able to worship. Giving thanks and glory to God. And yet we do not do it. But just as much this psalm is a call to worship, it is also a warning for those who do not worship. The latter verses of this in verses 7 to 11 say, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in Meribah. It was in the day of Massah in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they, a people who go astray in their heart, have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter rest. The psalmist whom we find out in the book of Hebrews, is actually David who wrote this psalm. But David tells these people not to harden their hearts, a warning. 
that we can, in fact, harden our hearts. That people have hardened their hearts. Now, we often think about Pharaoh and his hardened heart for not letting the people go. But here, David points out, it's the ones that were let go who actually hardened their hearts. They're the ones who had been set free. Here are the people. God had saved them and delivered them for a particular purpose. We find out in Exodus 17, the story in which David writes of. They go to the wilderness of sin by stages. According to the commandment of the Lord, they camped right there, and the people had no water to be able to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people. Taking with you some of the elders of Israel and taking your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you and there at the rock of Horeb. And you shall strike the rock and water shall come out from it and the people will drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? We need to understand, here they are in the wilderness. The wilderness of sin, I think, is rightly called. And they come out. God has delivered them, rescued them. They have seen these great and glorious tasks in which the Lord has done. But what were they brought out to do? They were brought out from the house of slavery to be able to worship the Lord. As you see clearly, even in the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Is what God told Moses when he was speaking through the burning bush. He said, and they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. They're called out to be able to go worship God. In Exodus chapter 9, the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that we may serve, that they may serve me. They may worship me. You shall have no other gods before me. And instead of going and honoring God and giving thanks to Him, they grumbled and complained. They tested Him. They questioned even if God was among them. He brought them out. He he delivered them. And yet they ask, where is He? This makes sense then why David writes in verse 2, Come let us into His presence with thanksgiving. God is here. Let us worship Him. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with, sound, with songs of praise. And just as the psalmist warns us, so does the author of Hebrews, who uses Psalm 95 as an exposition 
whole sermon to warn New Testament Christians to be able to worship God as well. You see this quite clearly in chapter 3, verse 7 to 4, verse 11, where he uses all of this example that they might be able to come and worship God. This is what he says in chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Here he uses this verse in Psalm 95 to be able to call Christians to be able to worship God. We are called, saved to be able to worship Him. We're not merely saved from our sin of not worshiping God. We're saved from our sin to worship God. We're not merely just brought out of the house of slavery that we might be free men and women. We've been bought with a price, both body and soul, to glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to be able to unpack all of that verses in Hebrews. But here he gives three examples, three applications of how he now applies Psalm 95 to New Testament Christians. He says we are to exhort one another. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts in this rebellion. Let's exhort each other to be able to worship God. Saying today is the day we worship God. Let not today be the day we harden our hearts, but let us worship Him both body and soul, mind and spirit. Not only we're to exhort one another, but let us fear. This unbelief that we're united by faith to Christ. And it is unfaith, disobedience, that we should be warned of. But he also says, lastly, that we are to strive to enter that rest. That Sabbath rest for the people that... The sad, depressing thing about these people who did not worship God after being saved, brought out from the land of Egypt, God says they did not enter that land of rest. That we strive that we might enter that rest where a home finally is, where we have no restraints, where we seek to be able to glorify God in all of His glory and splendor. No more does sin hold us back from the barriers of trying to worship other things. God is before us and we fall down with the elders and worship God not by faith but by sight. That we strive to be able to enter that rest as we trust and put our faith in Christ. Drink from that spiritual rock which is Christ. That we who are in Adam seek to be able to worship anything we can find besides the Creator. 
And yet there is a great call and a warning in Psalm 95 that we might and shall and should worship God. For He is a great God. A great King above all gods. That He is our God. We are His sheep. We are His people. Oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise with Him who sings with songs of praise. Come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let us live a life as living sacrifices, giving unto God all glory and honor which is due His name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. O gracious and merciful Father, forgive us when we have sought to be able to worship things created rather than the one who created those things. Lord, forgive us when we have elevated ourselves and sought to be able to worship and glorify ourselves or things that you have blessed us with and treated them as God rather than gifts from you. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to be able to shift our gaze unto the one who is creator of all things. Lord, the great and glorious God, the one who has saved us and redeemed us, Lord, because of who you are, your attributes and all of your uh, In all of your essence, Lord, that you are the God who is infinite, eternal, unchanging in your knowledge and being. Lord, we pray you would help us to do this. Lord, let us strive to be able to enter that rest in which we finally and fully worship you without any sin. Lord, as your people, let us encourage one another to let our gaze not be shifted the things of the dirt, but Lord, the maker of all things. Lord, help us to do this, for we know we will fall short. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.